Welcome into another edition of the Play-By-Play Perspective. Colin Surrey and Will Connerly back with you. Will, we had one heck of a GLVC tournament. The Umsel Tritons have captured their first ever tournament title. And you know that that group has got to be extremely excited. And I know you're pretty excited to break it all down with me. Absolutely. I mean, you're right on the money with your opening analysis here on the play-by-play perspective because I'm certainly excited. And I know that the Umsel Triton faithful has to be excited as well. I know we'll get into it, but 10 consecutive victories to capture a GLVC title. They are playing some great basketball, and I'm excited to talk about it tonight. Yeah, we will get more into them. But we get things started in the quarterfinals from the Vidalabine Center, which I had the pleasure of being there for every one of those games, producing them and technical directing some of the shots, which off the top, I want to give a huge shout out to Cody Campbell out at SIUE, who does tremendous video work and some of the student workers out there at SIUE. And I'm going to make sure that I get the names and mention them on another podcast, but I know We had Colin, Jared was tremendous as well, amongst many others that that did just amazing work and brought that tournament to life for everyone that was able to watch. But, you know, back to those quarterfinals, we got things started with William Jewell taking down Southwest Baptist. So we really got things started with a bang in the biggest way. And that's really how William Jewell won this game. They started this game with a bang. It was almost as if, you know, Southwest Baptist had gotten punched in the mouth and were a little bit stunned right out of the gate. And it's not as if Southwest Baptist wasn't up to the task of trying to come back and grind it out. But this was just one heck of a heck of a performance from William Jewell. And in the same season where they pick up their first ever GLVC tournament win, they pick up their second ever tournament win against the number one seed, Southwest Baptist, 73 to 71. This was a massive win for Coach McCabe, like you mentioned, and just a win for the program, right? We talked all year about how they have taken a step in the right direction, but for that to necessarily reflect in how you play in the postseason, especially against the number one seed, I mean, that's big time for William Jewell for their program. Not only big time to get the victory, Colin, but also big time, and this also played into the equation of getting the victory, but to fend off Southwest Baptist toward the end of that game. I mean, it became close at the end, but William Jewell, they kept making shots to keep it at a two-possession game a lot down the stretch. Then it got really tight, and they get that 73-71 win. But Southwest Baptist was coming down the stretch, and William Jewell was able to fend them off a massive win for their program. And I know as we are recording this, Colin, on a Sunday evening when Selection Sunday is going to be apparent for the NCAA teams in the Midwest Regional, you wonder how bad that loss is going to hurt on the other side of the coin for Southwest Baptist, who now finishes out 21-6, and 15-4, and four, and uh, they left their fate in the hands of uh, the committee with certainly a lot of other GLVC teams uh, doing some positive things. And, of course, Mason Alexander, it seemed like every single time down the floor he had to get involved in the offense for him uh, to be able to 
to be effective in this one. 16.6 rebounds, six assists. He really played at a high level and lifted this William Jewell team to that upset victory. Yeah, Mason Alexander was unbelievable in that game. Another guy who came off the bench and was just a huge spark plug, Grant Stubbs. And I asked Coach McCabe about him after the game, and he just kind of shook his head with a big smile on his face and said, that guy is a stud. Grant Stubbs, you know, and he did it at both ends of the floor too. He was very, very good defensively, very steady on that end of the floor, but he knocked down three three-pointers in this game and that ultimately was I think what lifted Southwest Baptist or what lifted William Jewell over Southwest Baptist in this game they shoot 10 of 21 from beyond the arc and you know the Bearcats weren't far behind them at 9 of 21 Quinn Nelson hit some ridiculous circus shots from the three-point line at the end of the game to make this really interesting but after Jewell got out to that lead 20 to 10 I mean they they never trailed in this entire game. I mean, to think that they took down the number one seed and never trailed in the entire game. What a complete effort from this team. Mm -hmm. Harry Shiyoyo has a double-double, 16 rebounds, four on the offensive glass from him. So, I mean, you think about it, those are three outstanding performances, and we haven't even gotten to Kobe McKinley, who shot five for nine, two for two from beyond the arc, 12 points with three blocks and a steal. I, just a totally complete performance. But you think about it, that's what you have to do in order to beat a team like Southwest Baptist, and that's exactly what Coach McCabe's squad did. He has to be extremely proud of the showing that his Cardinals had in this tournament. Exactly. I mean, you pick up two victories during the duration of this tournament, huge for the program. And, and, and like you said, going up against Southwest Baptist, who got the number one seed, who had the Great Lakes Valley Conference Player of the Year in Quinn Nelson, who did have 18 points in this game, but they held him to four of 13 from the floor. So that was a big effort by William Jewell as a team defensively. That's kind of the backbone of that team, or at least what they hope it can be for them to propel themselves uh, to greater heights in this league which we've seen them do this year and it was good I think though when we're recapping this game Colin one effort although in a losing effort that I thought was really good was the way and this is really kind of how we played all season but the way Mitch Gano just does things to impact a basketball game is so impressive every single time I mean he had four fouls in this one but still was one assist shy of getting a triple double in this one 11 points 10 rebounds and nine assists he's such an impressive player for SBU yeah half of those 10 rebounds came on the offensive glass barely over six feet tall Mitch Ganote just a monster out there, kind of shades of a guy like a Yakima Rose or even, I mean, my goodness, this this might be one of the closest comparisons, a Steve Webb, a guy that just does whatever you need him to do and just wills you to victory. Mitch Ganote was unable to do it in this one. And, you know, like I said, it, it wasn't because of a lack of effort from the Southwest Baptist team. They out-rebounded William Jewell despite that 16-rebound performance from Chiyoyo. As a team, the Bearcats had 39 rebounds to just 35 for William Jewell. But Southwest Baptist, you know, in saw this a little bit with Truman State. We'll get into that game a little bit. But they, they just looked a little bit tight at the beginning of this game, and they were never able to find their rhythm in a way that it was enough to push them over the top in this game. They shoot 
just 22 of 60 in the game, that's 37% as a team. They actually shot at a much higher rate from the three-point line. Nine of 21 was 43% from beyond the arc. But, you know, again, you have to go back to what a complete performance this was for William Jewell. And, again, you think Jordan Germain had had just seven points in this game, one for four shooting, but he hit four big free throws, had three assists, a few rebounds as well, and a couple of steals. He was great on the defensive end. And, you know, that was that was one heck of a game, and it had me on the edge of my seat the entire way. It, I mean, that was just a thriller to start things off over at SIUE in that top eight all advancing there. And I mean, that's, that's, that's March, you know, you you get the eight seed to knock off the one seed great win for William Jewell and that chaos that happens and and you can never predict it. And obviously everybody that gets to the tournament has a chance. And we started to see that in the second round after all the favorites won in the opening round. And it, it was a big time performance by William Jewell. They made winning plays down the stretch when when a team like Southwest Baptist so many times this year has made big runs in the second halves, William Jewell with their backs against the wall with their season hanging in the balance got the job done. They sure did. They made some big free throws at the end of the game, like we told you from Jordan Germain and even Harry Shioyo, a big five for seven from the free throw line in this game for William Jewell. They pick up the win 73-71 to 71 over South, Southwest Baptist. And, you know, the big fallout from this game is that you have to think that Southwest Baptist is likely going to be on the outside looking in, like you mentioned here on Selection Sunday. And and if they were to end up in the tournament, you just think it's not very likely at this point. But, mm-hmm. you know, one one more closing thing on, on Southwest Baptist. I did get to see some of uh, Mitch Ganote's family in between one of the games, and they had really kind words for us and our podcast. So I just wanted to extend my thanks back to them and really appreciate that, you know, people are, are tuning in and listening and, and uh, wanting to make us a part of, of their GLVC experience. So we appreciate them. 100% Colin and to go off of that the people that take the time to love on this league uh, thanks for being able to to let us love it and uh, try to at least uh, consume some of the content that we have because we honestly want to to help uh, just expose what's been happening in GLVC men's basketball you know the inception of this program came out of the love for the game and just a infatuation with how competitive this league is how fun it is and really honestly how good it is and of course you know it's good Colin when we talk on selection Sunday people are going to have the receipts on uh, what we said we are recording this of course before selection Sunday but uh, you don't know you know there was a lot of chaos in the Midwest region so I'm pretty sure there's a lot of nervous teams uh, headed into uh, this game or or this selection Sunday rather No doubt about it. And, you know, it is because of all that emotion that goes into it. You talk about being able to to love on this league and and get really in-depth with all of it. And it's it's a great privilege for us to to be able to do that and to be able to, to get to do it with others because that's what makes sports so much fun. It is that communal aspect of it that we all get to come together and and really enjoy it. So we appreciate everyone, uh, including Mitch Ganote's family for for tuning in and unfortunately it was Southwest Baptist 
taking the loss in that one and probably on the outside looking in like we talked about in the NCAA tournament, 73-71, William Jewell. We moved to McKendry taking on the Lewis Flyers. And I'll tell you what, these Lewis Flyers have just had McKendry's number over the past few years. It has been tough for the Bearcats anytime they match up against Lewis. And they did not score a bucket for the first seven or eight minutes of this game. Jewel just really held them in check. Only 19 points in the first half for McKendry, and it led to a 68-58 to win for the Lewis Flyers. And I'll tell you what, Will, it was really, really unfortunate that McKendry got off to that slow start because they had an unbelievable crowd. The best crowd of the entire tournament was brought to the Vidalabine Center by the McKendry Bearcats. They had a couple of fan buses that they brought out. It was a whiteout for the Bearcats quarterfinal game, the first ever uh, here in the George Suggs era in his first season. All kinds of excitement. And, you know, as was the case for a lot of teams we saw in this tournament, a slow start for McKendry. Lewis kind of got him into a knockdown, drag-out style game. Bryce Boltman went out in style in this one. 31 points, 10 rebounds in the game he did turn the ball over seven times though and no one else in double figures for McKendry meanwhile Bruno Williams was just an absolute problem for McKendry in this game 25 points for him Connor Nego also had a double double no surprise that he factored huge into the win for these Flyers and exactly, you talk about how harmful that slow start was, not just because of the fans, but because after that slow start, the game was pretty much even, it felt like. I mean, McKendry played pretty even in the second half with Lewis, but that early deficit, which turned into a halftime deficit, proved to be too much. And you mentioned Bryce Boltzman going out in style. I mean, 31 and 10. What he's done this year has been so impressive. But Bruno Williams, I mean, he really had to take over for Lewis. It was a question. Once McKendry started to get back in the game, okay, now how is Lewis going to get buckets? Because it was a a slow start for both teams, a kind of a low-scoring game early on. And just ultimately, when you look at the final score, but in those type of games, Colin, it, it almost comes down to it from both teams' perspective. You know that for McKendry, okay, we're going to have Bryce Boltman score a, a high percentage of our points. But for Lewis, it's been different players throughout the duration of this season. Sometimes it's Dre Bell. Sometimes it's Connor Nego. Sometimes it's Bo Frerichs. This time it was Bruno Williams, and he got the job done. He was the one who stepped up and led them to victory. He just took control of this game, got to the line, and poured in the 25 points, which really helped Lewis get this victory yeah just extremely impressive from Lewis you know and it's it's one of those things where you just expect this from a trost coach team right they get into postseason play and it's you just know that the Flyers are going to be buttoned up they're going to be extremely tough to deal with in in postseason play and they proved it once again in this game against McKendry And I'll tell you what, the turnover margin was really what made the big difference in this one. You look at the overall turnovers, 16-7 to in favor of Lewis, and that was just too much for McKendry to overcome. And you wonder for McKendry moving into next year, they bring back quite a bit. I mean, you think Bryce Boltman coming back, Alex Davidkov coming back, 
You'll bring Carson Parker back. Milos Vicentic with another year of development. You have to think it's going to be a guy to look out for. So a lot to bring back, but McKendry could use that, that real solid ball handler type, right, that maybe can help them out a little bit more in that turnover margin department because you've got a guy that, that helps you out a lot in, in Alex Davidkoff. He takes excellent care of the basketball and can turn your opponent over but you almost need that ex, that other guy to go along with that shooting replacement of Oliver Steven. And McKendry could certainly make some noise next year. But it was the Lewis Flyers coming up with a 68-58 to 58 win in that quarterfinal game. So that was the two games on Thursday. The win for William Jewell over Southwest Baptist. And then Lewis over McKendry. And then we go to Friday. And, you know, so we're thinking – coming into the tournament like oh the advantage for the top two seeds playing on Thursday and then they'll get Friday off well those teams on Friday that played were the Umsold Tritons in the first game on Friday against Southern Indiana and this was just a completely dominant performance from Umsold they take it 90 to 68 over USI and it was just so impressive to watch this Umsold team get after it on the offensive side of the floor. They got out in transition. Shane Wissink got loose from the three-point line to the tune of a career-high 28 points to go along with seven made three-pointers, which was also a career-high for Shane Wissink. Just an incredible performance for him in this one. And Southern Indiana, other than Jelani Simmons, just had a lot of, a lot of trouble trying to get things going on the offensive side of the floor. What did we talk about a couple podcasts ago? We said, hey, keep this guy Shane Wissink. And, you know, he, he didn't really play well first part of this year. He started to play really well down the stretch of the regular season. And it wasn't really a surprise. He's a veteran. He's, of course, now the all-time leading three-point shooter in UMSL history. And we they started to win three, four games in a row. You say, okay, Shane Wissing's starting to play really well. They have Grubbs. They have Steve Webb. They have Yakima Rose. What else could you want in a basketball team? Now they have that shooter to let them pour in those 90 points a game. And now they, they've been putting them up with ease. And now the win streak at 10. And Shane Wissing has been a completely great catalyst for the offense and defense, of course, with the way he can defend along with Steve Webb and Ikema Rose. And, man, it's just so impressive how he had started to get going about midway through the season, and now all of a sudden they just rattle off victory after victory. I mean, the Umsel Tritons, of course, a team we said watch out for come GLVC tournament time, but a team that has won 12 of its past 13 games, Colin, I don't think the GLVC tournament is the only thing concerned about the Umsel Tritons right now. The national tournament's going to be calling their name now, and Shane Wiss. 7-3 splash down on he is such a good three-point shooter and it was certainly on display in this one in their dominant effort over Jelani Simmons in southern Indiana but yeah, Colin in this game you did get to see a pretty good dunk coming from the Screaming Eagles as well oh my goodness Jelani Simmons you know the game was pretty much in hand at this point in the second half but he had himself a, a live ball turnover at about mid-court where he had a breakaway for, you know, what most people go for, maybe a little bit of a showy dunk. You cock it back a little bit more than usual. Well, Jelani Simmons decides 
to bounce one off the floor and oop it to himself, and he executed it to perfection. I mean, it was a thing of beauty what that guy did on that play. And not only that, he shot five for seven from behind the three-point line in this game and had four steals as well. So Jelani did everything that he could, and he certainly showcased his abilities at the Vidalabine Center in this quarterfinal matchup. But let's go back again to Shane Wissink because it's it's almost not justice enough to talk about the seven threes and 28 points. This is an all-defensive GLVC guy as well. I mean, he does it on both ends uh-huh. of the floor. And then think about he's going to put up 28 points on you. Oh. And, oh, by the way, there's that guy named Steve Webb who has four <laughs> steals himself, 10 points to go along with a couple of assists. And the Tritons as a team, 21 for 23 from the free throw line in that game. And I'll tell you what, you you get into a tournament setting, that is something that is going to carry you a long way. You knock down free throws, that'll make you tough to beat when you add that to the defense that this Tritons team plays. Oh, my God. I mean, they had 14 steals as a team in this game. Such (laughs) good defense. And they had 21 assists on 30 made baskets. Everybody on their team was dishing out the rag. I mean, they shot 58% for the game. And we're talking about going up against Southern Indiana. I mean, it was so impressive. The assist numbers that you talk about there. Trevor Moore led the team with four assists off the bench in 13 minutes. (laughs) No one else had more than three. It was, like you said, everyone doing it for this team. Yeah, that is unreal. 21 on 30 is impressive, but you'd think, okay, maybe one guy has 10. And it's like you think about it, Yakima Rose, the main facilitator of the offense, three. Shane Wissing, three. That just shows you that wherever the ball is on the court, they can get it to somebody that can knock down a shot. And that is scary. That is a scary sight. That's a great recipe to put up 90 points. Unbelievable performance from the Unsel Tritons. They take down Southern Indiana, which was the number one team in the points rating system at one point in the regular season, 90-68 to 68 in the quarterfinals. Unsel gets it done. And then we move along to our final quarterfinal matchup and it was the U-Indy Hounds taking on Truman State. And this is a Truman State team that was number one in the region in the initial regional ranking, kind of stumbled a little bit down the stretch, dropped to three in the rankings, and they ran into a team that was just red hot in U-Indy. And one guy in particular that is red hot right now in Corey Miller Jr., 23 points in this game, four assists, six rebounds. And again, one of those guys that does it on both ends of the floor. And despite Cade McKnight scoring 24 points and going nine of 15 from the floor with eight rebounds, it was the Hounds that took it 94 to 90 in an offensive display between these two teams. I mean, we saw 22 threes go through the, go through the hoop between these two teams. It was an offensive fireworks show. Coming into this game, Colin, I mentioned to you, it is Miller time, right? And you said for what and team? And it was. And for, and for what? You know, both Mason Miller, one of the best shooters in the league. Corey Miller Jr., one of the best scorers in the league. They're squaring off against each other. Then the mind went back to last year and how Corey Miller Jr. had 27 points 
in the win over Truman State in the GLVC quarterfinal. It was Miller time then. Mason Miller had six three-pointers in that game last year as well with 18 points. So both Miller times were in full effect, of course, last year with UND getting the two-point win. Then they upset Truman State again, a four-point win. Truman State, a team that was previously third in the Midwest Regional Rankings, but Corey Miller Jr. once again, 23 points to lead UND over Truman State in the playoffs so impressive because of the fact that when we look at this team, D. Montgomery, Jesse Bingham, Kendrick Choa, Corey Miller Jr., seasoned guys on this team, but then they got another 22 points and nine rebounds from Jacoby Robinson. If it weren't for that effective effort, the 22 points on just eight shots, there's no way UND would have been able to win this game because that's what you have to do. You have to step up and go crazy. Just You basically have to play a perfect game if you're going to beat Truman State. That's what UND nearly did. They made 14 three-pointers on 25 tries. They had 10 offensive rebounds. They only turned it over seven times, and they, too, had 21 assists on 29 made baskets. They made Truman defend the whole floor, and just like you said, despite Kay McKnight and Elijah Hayescamp going for over 20 points. You, Indy, was too much in this one. Yeah, you know, Corey Miller Jr. was kind of the workhorse for the Hounds in this game. He always tends to be that guy. He and he and Jesse Bingham will kind of share that load from time to time. But it really was the supporting cast that, that pushed you, Indy, over the top in this game. You talked about that stat line from Jacoby Robinson in 35 minutes. D. Montgomery goes four for seven from beyond the arc with three assists in the game while only turning it over twice. And then look at some of these guys off the bench. Josiah Tynes goes three for four from downtown, adds 14 points. And how about big Julian mm. Steinfeld? He had a coming out party in this conference tournament. This young man is going to be a problem if he hangs around in this league. In just 16 minutes, he had 12 points on five of six shooting with seven rebounds in two blocks. I mean, that's less than a half of action, and that's a stat line that anyone would be happy at the end of a game. He played incredible. I mean, 16 minutes and 12 points on six shots. I mean, he was so efficient, and you're you're right. He is a big body. He is. He is a guy that I think is going to take that step to uh, just, just do some great things in this league, and I know that – Indy is so so much known for their defense. They allow 90 points and still beat Truman State, and that just shows that other guys had to step up. They limited Truman State to just 38% from beyond the arc, but the Bulldogs still score 90 points despite falling short in this one. But it was just an incredible basketball game, such a great battle between two teams. It sure was. Hunter Strait had an outstanding performance as well. He had eight assists. 18 points and five rebounds for Truman State, but it was not enough in the end. UND would not be denied. We talked about what a hot team UND was coming into this tournament, and UMSL, they showed it in their quarterfinal matchups with big victories. The Hounds with a 94-90 to win over Truman State. So that was the sixth seed over the three seed in that matchup. So our semifinals were then set. For, for our Saturday, it's William Jewell and Umsel 
and UND and Lewis. So first game that we'll look at is that UMSL and Jewel game. And in the regular season, UMSL had taken down Jewel by 10 points. And, you know, it was a game where I, when I walked into the building in between games after UMSL had played their quarterfinal game, as I was walking by, I didn't even see Coach McCabe. He stopped me and he said, hey, Colin. He, he brought me over. He said, what do you think about that UMSL team right there? And I said, well, hey, we knew that they were going to hold everyone down defensively, but we didn't know they were going to score 90 every other game, and they laughed. Luckily for William Jewell, this was the every other game that wasn't the 90. <laughs> it was a defensive battle in this one, but it was too much Tritons in the end, 59-53. to 53. And you just look at some of the defensive performances across the board from Umsel in this game. They were unbelievable. And the same can be said for William Jewell in this game, too. But I'll tell you what, Marty Jackson took an absolute beating in this game. And all he did was go to the free throw line and hit 11 of 12 free throws and just sink clutch after clutch free throw for this Umsel team to seal it down the stretch. And, you know, that's so impressive to me when you think about you're coming off of a back-to-back and, and Marty Jackson is a guy, any any star player for an opposing team, you're thinking, we need to rough them up. We need to make them uncomfortable. Marty Jackson just did not allow that to happen. He had 21 points, 12 rebounds in this game to go along with a block and a steal, and he led the way for Umsel in this victory. And going into the game, of course, William Jewell thinking – how they want to attack things and of course on the offensive end it kind of starts with Mason Alexander in this one and really of course Jermaine and McKinley can do some other things to help with that regard but when you look at down low and obviously other supporting cast members have been great for William Jewel, Trey Shannon and Grant Stubbs but when we focus inside the painted area Harry Shiyoyo is a guy who wanted to beat up Marty Jackson you know and and it just shows how good Marty Jackson is that despite that physical presence of Shiyoyo Marty Jackson's just he's too much for nearly any player in this league he he really is he because not because maybe I mean the physical presence certainly is there he it's, it's a great strength of his but I think more of his just his tenacity and how hard he plays the game I've never been I mean I'm really impressed by the way how hard he plays and you, I know you saw it up close and in person uh, throughout the duration of this week and of course the ultimate champions but 21 points and 12 boards and he is getting beat up like you said he's the main focus and he's still able to come through in a GLVC semifinal game I mean he is really he's a really good basketball player certainly deserving of all the honors he's been getting because he just plays the game so hard you love to see guys have success that go about things the right way and I believe Marty Jackson is certainly one of those guys who and he got it done like you said I mean sinking nearly all of Umsel's foul shots he made 11 Umsel just went 13 of 15 as a team and then to get the 12 rebounds and 21 points he basically led Umsel in every single category and and that was the way they got the job done I mean they win a game when both teams are under 60 that seems like that's kind of what William Jewell wanted in this one to have a chance, but it was the Tritons uh, who come up and uh, top William Jewell, but a good effort by the Cardinals going up against such a strong team who is their season certainly not done yet. Well, think about the size advantage for William Jewell when you talk about a Kobe McKinley, Jordan Germain, and, and Harry Shioyo. Those are three guys over six foot five, and Shioyo, a legitimate center 
type player. And, you know, Marty Jackson is more of an inside out forward type of guy, more a new age, uh, a forward that can play. He can play the five for you like he does for Umsel at times. And I would argue that Steve Webb sometimes will take that role as well. But, you know, we forget what a tremendous defensive player Marty Jackson is as well. We talk about all these other guys, Jackson, right up there in terms of blocks in, in the leaders in this league. And I'll tell you what, he shot 12 free throws. He probably could have shot a few more because, I mean, there were times where he was just getting tossed around and still wasn't getting the call. And you know what? He just kept his head down. He kept fighting through it. And he never quit. He had five offensive rebounds in this game. So, you know, like I'm talking about that size advantage for William Jewell, yet it was still Umsel with a 12 to 6 advantage on the offensive glass and a 39 to 27 advantage overall in the rebounding margin. So, you think about it, this was a game where Umsel, coming off of such an impressive offensive performance, they had to will their way to victory in this one. And, you know, that's, that's something that this team has in spades, in spades is will and just want to from this Tritons group. And toughness, of course, as well. And I know we'll keep getting into the Tritons, of course, as we progress along in this program. But uh, across the board, I mean, they're so just tough players. Uh, Sunfall just leads such tough players. And, and that's that's right. That resilience, that playing the game hard, that's what leads to those five offensive rebounds, which leads to more points for a guy like Marty Jackson. Then other guys step up. And Umsel, despite not even hitting a three in the second half, and in the second half in total, Umsel, they only made eight field goals the entire second half, but they go 12 of 13 at the line to win the game in the second half and uh, win a low-scoring affair against two uh, really good defensive teams. But it was Umsel who came on top. Yeah, but how about this this season for William Jewell? And, you know, I should mention from that last game, Truman State, that we do expect Truman State to be in the NCAA tournament, so we'll likely still be talking about them but do you want to talk about this season for William Jewell as they finish off 500 and you know you count the tournament games 11 GLVC wins 11 and 11 in conference play they're going to bring back a lot coming into next year and again in their first ever tournament appearance they go to the semifinals with something to build around and there's got to be a lot of excitement around that program. It's huge for the program. I mean, to know that they're going in the right direction is one thing, but to see the results to back up that feeling is another thing. And the reason is they have some experience in the locker room this year. And Coach McCabe even talked about some of the difficult years that they went through and to see some of that success pay off now and that, hey, we are motivated to get this thing the right way. We know that the success isn't going to come overnight, but it's a process and we can buy into that process and we can do things great at an extremely high level. That's what they're starting to do. It has to feel good that that ship is headed in the right direction for the Cardinal faithful. Yeah, really impressive for them. But it is Umsel moving to the championship game with that 59-53 to win over William Jewell. And then Indy taking down Lewis 72-63 to in the other semifinal game. And once again, it's just Corey Miller Jr. not to be denied 
11 of 19 shooting in this game, two for three from beyond the arc, a couple of steals to go along with 29 points for Corey Miller Jr. in this game. Now, Corey Miller came out with his hair on fire in this game, but things really kind of started to settle in and become difficult offensively for UND. And then it was Jesse Bingham in the second half that was huge, particularly at the free throw line where he went 10 of 11 to help salt things away for UND. By the way, Bingham, four blocks in this game. You're right. I mean, it was deadlocked at halftime, 25-25. And that's kind of what you expected headed into this battle. UND, tough, physical. Lewis, tough, physical. Beat you up. Low scoring first half. Things opened up on the offensive end in the second half. It certainly was Miller time as he was one shy of 30 points, like you said. But Bingham was huge. And Lewis, of course, a team that held 63 points in this game. That Those are some type of games that they can win. But I think Lewis, when you break down what happened to them this season, it was kind of the tale of two seasons or three seasons, if you break it up. The slow start they had, and then the torrid pace they went on, ripping through the Great Lakes Valley Conference. And then the end of the season, where we started to see some questionable results, and the three-point shooting just completely dropped off for a team that was at one point the best in the nation in that category. So that started to drop off, but Corey Miller Jr. and Jesse Bingham were just unreal in this game. It was like the two-men wrecking crew for the Greyhounds. You weren't sure what was going to happen, but it was going to be one of those two guys who really took off and made a move. UNDS, a team, had seven blocks and five steals, and they just did a good job in overcoming Lewis, who's so good. They have so much pressure. They overcame those 15 turnovers that they committed, and they were able to get the job done because they didn't let Lewis take off from the three-point line. They were held to one of six in the first half. Yeah, they made five of 11 in the second half, but they weren't able to stop Uindy's 47-point second half, and it's because guys like Corey Miller Jr. and Jesse Bingham are just able to take the game over. Yeah, Connor Nego hit a three towards the end of that second half that, that made things interesting for a while, and it was just too much U-Indy in the end. It, three three-pointers in the game for Connor Nego, and, and he was very impressive, no doubt, but inside the arc, Nego only went one for seven in this game. U-Indy's paint presence was just so good in this tournament defensively. It was so hard for guys to score inside against this team. Dre mm -hmm. Bell went 7 of 12. And, you know, it's interesting. You almost, if you're a big guy that doesn't have a ton of mobility against Indy, good luck scoring with Kendrick Choa down there and Julian Steinfeld because they are just, brick walls and they're hard to to really do anything against down there now dre bell had a little bit of success in the paint because of his slashing ability he could get around the big guys and fit himself into some tight spaces where he could get around defenders and get to the rim but und and particularly Corey miller jr and jesse bingham they combined for 52 of the 72 und points in their 72 to 63 win in this GLVC semifinal. And, you know, again, back to our last episode, don't mean to pat ourselves on the back here, Will, but who were the teams that we really were talking about 
it was it was UMSL and UND in terms of the teams that are really hot right now to look out for. Exactly. I mean, to be honest, I don't think they're – I mean, yes, UMSL, we're, we're going to get to UMSL more, but there's not a better team than them right now. I don't think – I mean, you, you, I'd be hard pressed to think a team in the country. I mean, I mean, obviously, you've got some teams that are in the top five, top ten that are just having unbelievable. Well, you got, you seasons. got Nova Southeastern right. that is that is doing pretty <laughs> ungodly things right now. Right, but no, I'm seeing I'm so, or godly things, however you want to look at uh, it. Yeah, it probably is in that regard. <laughs> but when you look at uh, terms of walking on water, Umsel certainly is uh, getting close to that because they just seem like they can't do any wrong. And when I look at, I'm, I'm so intrigued. I know that this episode, we, we, we don't get to break down necessarily the regional rankings. We'll have that uh, for you upcoming. But of, of course, I wouldn't be surprised if they put Umsel, I mean, as the two seed. I mean, they, uh, they, it's, 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 I know Walsh is going to get that one seed, but, man, Umsel's just so good. Yeah, and I'll tell you what. So we moved to the championship game between Umsel and UND, and you talk about Umsel walking on water. Well, they were drowning after the first mm. seven minutes of this game. 18 to nothing. <laughs> U Indy started this game on top of um, so This is one of the most unbelievable games I have ever seen in my life, Will. And I, I'm not joking you. At one point, John Edwards says on the broadcast, he goes, this one might be over before it started. And he kind of glances over to me, and I, I shake my head to him, uh-uh, not with this UMSL team. And sure enough, I mean, there was one man in particular that was on a mission that said, this team is not losing today. His name was Steve Webb. And then that usual suspect again came up. Shane Wisting hits four threes in a row. And I got to go back to the play-by-play right now and check it because they couldn't have been any more than three or four minutes apart from one another. I mean, it was, I mean, you think about being down 18 nothing. And then you're leading at halftime by eight points. I mean, they went on a map for as big as you Indies run was. You umps, they woke up a giant because that run was uh, even more massive for Umsel and Shane Wissing. Just unbelievable. His career really uh, feeling good. Of course, that three point recognition. He gets five of seven from beyond the arc. And this one, Steve Webb, four steals. I mean, Colin. We talk about a three-time defensive player of the year, a four-time GLVC all-defensive team guy. Defense, I mean, that's what you're doing half the time when you cut the possessions in half in the game of basketball. And the most dominant player consensus for three consecutive years on the defensive end, I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost in that uh, opinion of Steve Webb needs those player of the year votes because he is so dang good. And literally he can just, he's just a bulldog. He can change the game on the defensive end. I mean, it is locked down. He sits all the way down on anybody he guards. And it's just, it's just, it's just a guaranteed clamp. It's a guaranteed lockup. He's so good at at, at during, and it's just so impressive to see what he does. I mean, he's a guy that, 
you think uh, should get some of that, at least if we talk about it, player of the year consideration, just because of the fact of what he can do on the defensive end. And maybe sometimes you don't necessarily see all the stats. Yeah, you see the steal numbers, the block numbers, but there's other metrics that maybe you aren't going to be able to fully evaluate. Like, how does that affect another opponent even getting touches because he's guarded by Steve Webb and other factors as well. But he's so dang good. And of course, all the coaches have recognized that for the last three years. And Umsel's reaping the benefits of that right now, being the GLVC champions. You know, I just, I really don't think we're respecting enough how good a, an offensive player Steve Webb is. Ah. He had six assists in this game and only two turnovers. I mean, think about that right now. If your point guard had a three to one assist to turnover ratio, you're talking about an in, in incredible team. Like, that's, that's what that kind of level of, of taking care of the ball is. And then, oh, by the way, he does the exact opposite of that to the other team. Four steals in a championship game. In a championship game, four steals for Steve Webb. And, you know, he got that run started. And then I went back to look at it for, for Shane Wissink from the three-point line. So he hit four three-pointers. In two minutes and 14 seconds, this man scored 14 points in less than three minutes after Ussel could not muster a single point for the first seven minutes of the game. And that's the thing is that Ussel started to play well and come down the stretch, but didn't, and you were there, but 18 nothing hole. Steve Webb and Shane Wissink, especially on the offensive, I mean, Shane Wissink basically when Umsel couldn't buy a basket, stepped up to the plate. And that ignited that Umsel team to all get together and start making moves. They win the turnover battle against UND in this game. 18-10. to 10. They win the rebounding battle on the offensive glass, at least, 14-10. to 10. So you think about the extra possessions created from Umsel in this game. And, and you think, wow, you Indy has got to be kicking themselves when they go back and look at this tape because it's one where if you take care of the basketball and, and you do a little bit better job boxing out, getting on the glass. Now, Julian Steinfeld had 13 boards in this game in 25 minutes. And, again, back to that point of him being a problem moving forward in this league. But, you know, it, it goes back to, to Shane Wissink and Steve Webb because what did we talk about with Corey Miller in each of the games coming into this one just that guy that can't be stopped well a little bit similar you know in he reminds me very much of a Bryce Boltman does Corey Miller where he can get it done at all three levels loves to get to his right hand he's the most dangerous off the bounce now what does that mean maybe you can turn him over five turnovers in this game for Corey Miller Jr. now he did have four assists as well but it was the same story for Jesse Bingham as well. That combination of Wissink and Webb was just too much for those two-star players for Indy. Now, even though the points numbers are still there, 16 and 11 for Miller Jr. and Bingham respectively, they just didn't do it in an efficient way. It took 14 shot attempts for Corey Miller to get to 16 points, 10 for Bingham to get to 11, and they both shot under 50% in the game as a team. 41% 41% for UND in the game. But, you know, again, it was the same story for Umsel. They only shoot 38%, but it's it's the will in the heart of this team 
that sets them apart from others. And you said the game was unbelievable. It, it felt like, it, I mean, coming out of the gates like that is so impressive at 18 nothing. but, man, it is impressive how Umsel was able to come back from that. And is that why you kind of describe it as one of the more miraculous things you've seen? It, it certainly is. I mean, it's, it's one of those performances that's almost, it's just inspiring, right? I mean, to see a team that you should have felt the, the feeling in the building for the UMSL fans where you're just so in tune to, to what they're feeling in that moment. And it's, it's a feeling of being almost just hopeless and lost, you know? And these players never lost faith for one second. They had full belief in one another. And you think about, you know, four of those guys on that roster playing together for a really long time there in Yakima Rose Jr., Jose Grubbs, Steve Webb, and, uh, and Marty Jackson even there as well. But it's a bunch of guys that have been through so much together. This is another thing to add to that list. Mm. And what a way for, for that group of guys of the seniors from from this UMSL team to go out at least in the GLVC with with Shane Wissink playing 40 minutes and going five of seven from beyond the three point arc for 19 points he wins the the tournament MVP what a performance for Shane Wissink in this tournament title game he gave them the offensive lift when they needed it. Steve Webb gave him a little bit of everything. Marty Jackson struggled in this game, 6 of 20 shooting, but he had six offensive rebounds in this game. And, again, that goes back to the, the heart and the tenacity that he shows. And how about – I? we cannot not mention Isaiah Fuller by when we recap this game because he came off the bench. Yakima Rose picked up a couple of early fouls in this game. And Fuller came off the bench and just commanded it beautifully. In 31 minutes, he went four of seven from the floor, knocked down seven of his eight free throws, and also had four rebounds out there and was just a steadying presence on the offensive end when Umsel really needed it after Rose picked up that second foul in the first half. And you thought, goodness, this, this could be floodgates opening time that hot start from you Indy now Umsel was starting to chip away at that lead but you thought once Rose picked up two fouls things could have very easily flipped back to the way they were at the beginning of the game and you Indy go back to dominating but Isaiah Fuller came in and was huge for this Umsel team in fact the entire bench was tremendous in this one Trevor Moore gave great minutes Marquise Collins was excellent when he was out there as well. Even though those guys didn't score a whole ton, this Umsel Tritons team needed everything from everyone to pick up this victory in their first ever GLVC championship. Incredible. Incredible to pick up the first ever. That means so much to a program that does so much, uh, especially recently in GLVC play. But, I mean, 
it's almost not it's not surprising we talk about how good they were playing down the stretch they carried that momentum throughout the duration of the postseason and now 10 in a row this team is hot they're fun to watch them in Sherman State it's going to be a pleasure to continue to talk about because their two teams certainly going to the Midwest Regional and of course uh, with that selection happening here tonight as we're recording we'll be able to know learn and obviously discuss that information amongst ourselves uh, and then uh, talk about it on our next podcast but that, that that's certainly great and of course a great way to tie a bow on the great lakes valley conference season regular season and then tournament as well with a lot of these teams and you know you have a 15 team league uh, only one or two typically get to go on to represent your league in the greater scheme of things in the ncaa with it being umsel and truman state with our high degree of confidence saying those two teams. But, I mean, you have the fact of the matter that a lot of teams tie the bow, they cap off the season, and to be able to get to the tournament, that's where it starts for a lot of programs. Okay, we got to get to the tournament and then start to be competitive. And there's some teams that are just cut from a different fabric. And I know with Southern Indiana moving out of the league along with Lindenwood, you see that the blue bloods of the Great Lakes Valley Conference in terms of men's basketball over the past couple of years continue to be Umsel and Truman. And state with Southwest Baptist certainly in that top four conversation all the time because of the great incredible year they had this year and they've backed it up with success in years past as well with some great talent as well so it's fun to talk about the top teams in the Great Lakes Valley Conference and how good they can be and I don't think we can uh, be it's not mentioned just the run that UND went on but they just ran into an umsel team that was just so dang good and so tough to beat yeah, and what what a run for Paul Corsaro here in the conference tournament. I mean, you think about all those dominant teams that Stan Gerard had and no GLVC championships. In fact, not even an opportunity in a GLVC championship, even though they had all of that regular season success under Gerard and Paul Corsaro gets them an opportunity in this one. So tremendous for their program to take that step forward and you started to see as this team got healthy they were extremely dangerous down the stretch and you know of course losing Corey Miller Jr. is a huge loss but we talk about the way that Julian Steinfeld ended his his season with his arrow pointed directly up towards the ceiling he had three blocks eight points and 13 rebounds in 25 minutes against Umsel in that championship game. And he had one of the nastiest put-back dunks that I have seen in a long time in that game. And he also had a posterization earlier in the tournament that was awfully impressive as well from Julian Steinfeld. But then you think about other guys that will be coming back on that team, a Jacoby Robinson, Jesse Bingham, still a really young guy on that team. And there is a tremendous core for Corsaro to build around there. There is, and I mean, the two seniors that will be moving on, Corey Miller Jr. and D. Montgomery, and of course, Corey Miller Jr., a multi-time all-conference guy, but they're in good hands to have some people assume some bigger roles next year that 
have been big-time players for this team. So this UND team is going to be right back there making moves uh, next year. I think they're going to be a, a top-four team. I think they, they can improve. I know you lose Corey Miller Jr. and D. Montgomery, but that nucleus now with some other players that are so good like Jesse Bingham and Jacoby Robinson. And don't forget to mention what you said about Julian Steinfeld and Tynes and also even a Kendrick Choa. So, I mean, there's a lot of guys, obviously, Corey Miller Jr. and D. Montgomery falling just short of that Great Lakes Valley Conference Tournament Championship, getting to the title game, but falling short to Umsel. Great careers and obviously just a great tournament uh, for Corey Miller Jr. to cap off a great career at UND uh, combined with his junior college days at John Wood. Uh, he really had a storied basketball career at the collegiate level. Yeah, and Corey Miller Jr. will end his collegiate career as a unanimous all-first-team GLVC selection and all-GLVC first-team defensive selection and a member of the all-GLVC conference tournament team. So extremely impressive. He went out in style. You would expect no less from the great Corey Miller Jr. For you and the other members of that all-tournament team, Shane Wissink, who took the tournament MVP as well, Steve Webb, was also a member of the team along with Marty Jackson. And then the lone player that was not involved in the championship game named of the tournament team, Connor Nego. And Connor Nego, another one of those unanimous first team all selections in the GLVC. So, you know, incredible as we put a bow on this, on this championship run for UMSL, 10 wins in a row. And interesting now, as we as we look ahead to the NCAA tournament, and it's kind of an UMSL team that is entering the tournament on the exact opposite trend as Truman State. You know, we've seen Truman State has been really pretty dominant all year besides a little hiccup in the middle of their schedule where they had some guys missing games, mainly Cade McKnight, and we know how much he means to that team. But, you know, they've been full – full strength down the stretch here and in that game where UND was able to beat them they really held down Mason Miller in that game makes you wonder maybe some teams have found a way to slow him down a little bit because Cade McKnight has still been getting his and this Truman State team has now lost to Rockhurst and then UND here in the conference tournament. The, no, that is true. I think that the the direction of the way they've played uh, has been provided some concern the way that they finished their season kind of how they replicated that slow stretch throughout the middle of the season but we know how they've responded and the potential of this team I mean Elijah Hayes camp made six three-pointers in a game in this tournament along with Kate McKnight and Mason Miller a very good team but they've uh, not played their best basketball as of late and certainly we'll see if Horner can't turn it around after making that deep elite eight run a season ago yeah certainly that'll be fun to watch and you know, I, I want to hit on one last thing because I think it's kind of fitting conclusion to, to everything. In the postgame interview, um, John Edwards had, had asked Shane Wissink about Chico Jones, who is the strength and conditioning guy, legendary, over there at Umsel. He's been there forever. And it, it brought Shane to tears. And I mean, I had, I was starting to well up a little bit too, just feeling his emotion and how much it meant to him. And you could just, you could feel 
how much work and blood, sweat and tears that this young man had put into all of this and then to see it pay off and, and to have it culminate in a championship for all of these guys that have grown so close on that team. We talked about how long they've played together. You know, just just truly incredible. And, you know, I feel lucky to have been a part of it. I have to extend a huge thank you to Tyler Madsen as well. He, he's told us that he listens, and he, uh, he did just an amazing job covering the tournament. His knowledge, being a former committee member on the regional rankings, uh, committee for basketball, invaluable for our conference, provides tremendous perspective around the nation and throughout the Midwest between the GLIAC and the GMAC of where everyone is kind of juxtaposed and where you expect everyone to end up. So, you know, a huge shout out to him and, and the tremendous coverage that he brought this tournament. And, you know, I was I was happy to hopefully bring some of that great coverage as well and and bring this to the fans because you know it's obvious we don't do this podcast for no reason we truly do love this league and and that was just such an amazing thing to be a part of and I thought that that Shane Wissink tidbit would be kind of a good way to to kind of summarize all of it at least in my eyes hey your eyes are a pretty good 2020 vision because I agree I mean the work you put in and then being able to reap those rewards in life is so amazing. And in college athletics and athletics in general, it's just amazing to see somebody put in the work and be able to get rewarded from it. It doesn't say that the people who don't get the result don't put in the work, but to be able to consistently do that and then reap the award is, like you said, inspiring. Inspiring to a lot of people that want to be able to accomplish things and do it as a team. And it just shows that a team certainly has to be tough, has to be resilient, but has to work hard to be able to play your best basketball at the end of the season. That's the goal for any person, for any team, for any program, to finish strong. And you can't finish strong unless you're completely physically, mentally trained and conditioned. And that's why I'm sure Shane got emotional because of the fact that they probably wouldn't be able to play their best basketball after a grueling season unless they laid the foundation with all that hard work, sweat, and dedication and discipline toward their craft throughout uh, the duration of the offseason and the moments leading up to this one. Uh, so a great congratulations to UMSL. I can't wait to follow them and see how them and Truman State can represent the Great Lakes Valley Conference moving forward. Yeah, the legendary Bob Sunville leading those red-hot Tritons into the NCAA tournament where we talked about, look out, no one is going to want to play them. And, you know, we've seen on on in the regular season from Truman State that they can turn things around on a dime and they'll look to do that in the NCAA tournament as well. But for now, this has been a really fun version of the play-by-play perspective, Will. Uh, we'll we'll do it again soon, and and we'll see where what kind of content uh, comes our way on the play-by-play perspective. This is kind of an interesting time for us, where we have a little bit of freedom and an ability to to shift as we move along. Certainly, we're going to follow where where Umsel and Truman State end up, but kind of looking forward to the future in that way here, Will. Absolutely, and I love that uh, that I don't even know if that was a tease that that you had, but. 
<laughs> I mean, it is a little bit of a, t- I mean, stay tuned, um, more things potentially on the horizon. So <laughs> I, I'm now excited. that is a tease, yes. my friend, that Will is. Connerly <laughs> letting you know to look out for what's happening with the play-by-play perspective. You can find us on Twitter and you can find us uh, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify will be posting the episodes on Twitter at PX Perspective on Twitter. For Will Connerly, I'm Colin Surrey saying so long again for another episode of the Play-By-Play Perspective.